Welcome to the Chopped Guillotine Fantasy Football Podcast with your host, Joe Harris. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Chopped Guillotine Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Harris, and we are going over today... As you could probably tell by the episode, the week four start and sits for guillotine fantasy football. Guillotine fantasy football start and sits are so much different than regular fantasy football start and sits. For one, we are talking just about a completely different tier of players than are being talked about on any other show, any other website for the most part. Because the dudes that we're talking about are bad. Right, when you when you have 16 people still alive in your league right now, 15, 15 people still alive in your league right now, you're not playing a ton of studs, okay? The bad teams don't look like, oh, I had a Nick Chubb injury, but the rest looks good. No, the bad teams look like, look like two players projected above 10 points. All right, and the key to this episode, the key to this series is talking about who are the guys... Who, when you look next to their name, their projection is in the single digits. But we see a really clear path to getting to double digits, to being a fine start. That's what week four start and sit is about. But before we get into that, we will go ahead and ask you to check out our sponsor. The sponsor of today's episode is the share button. If you were a loved one has access to a share button, which I'm sure you do because you also had access to the play button. Um, just, just press it. Just press it. Please and thank you. It would make me really happy. That would, uh, that, that would be a really cool early Christmas, early birthday, um, early Thanksgiving, if you will. So yeah, sponsored by the share button. Thank you very much. Before we get into the start and sit decisions, before we start going into the individual games, there's some that we need to talk about at the very start of week four. And at the very start of week four... There's something very special and very interesting going on, and that's called It's Almost Week 5. And when Week 5 rolls around, the quality of teams in your league drops significantly because that's when bye weeks start. And you're going to have to be dealing with bye weeks and juggling shit like that from Week 5 on through the whole rest of the season. It is not easy you don't want to be blindsided. You want to take a look for yourself. So, if you are in really any fantasy league, but especially a guillotine league, I highly recommend you go to your app, you go to your website, and you just navigate to whatever whatever button says week four at the top of your screen, and you just hit the little arrow or the little next button that shows you week five. And then you can see all of your players, you can see which of them have a bye week in week five. You can see which of them have really terrible matchups in week five. You know, if it's if it's one of the guys towards the bottom of your bench where it's like, ooh, you know, I'm starting him this week because he plays the Broncos, but I don't want to start him next week when he plays against the Jets, right? Stuff like that. Um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Like if you're right now, I've got um, Broncos defense playing against the Bears, and I feel pretty good about that because I just saw the Bears, you know, poop themselves three weeks in a row. But they play the Chiefs following that. So um, 
Yeah, I, I would want to have a backup plan in that in that case. And that's something that you should be looking at while you're making your start-sit decisions. You should be looking at where do I have to make hard decisions next week and can I make it easier right now? If you've got a quarterback on by, if you've got a defense with a bad matchup, you should be adding a substitute right now so that you don't end up having to worry about it during the scramble of post-week four, pre-week five waiver wire that's always a complete nightmare. Outside of that, don't get last. That, that's the other thing that I'm going to remind you of. Just don't get last. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get started on the individual game breakdown, starting with Atlanta Falcons at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I don't like that it's the Atlanta Falcons at the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's more of the Atlanta Falcons and the Jacksonville Jaguars at London um, at 930 in the morning, my time, which is terrible. Um, if you have a player in this game, do not put them in your flex. Like it, It's less imperative than it is in a Thursday night game, but just in general, you want to make sure that your flex position stays flexible. You never know when you're going to have to make a trade, like literally in the middle of the Sunday games. So don't put like Drake London in your flex just because he's your third or fourth best wide receiver and it, it makes the numbers look prettier. Like Use your head, put your latest player in your flex position. And you might be saying, Joe, my team is going to do so good, it doesn't matter. I don't need to make a midweek trade. To that I say, fool. Idiot. You don't understand the other side of the coin, which is, if your team does really good and you've got a star player left, then you can take that star player and you can go to someone whose team did really bad but they've got one player left, and that one player isn't super good. You can say, give me half of your free agent budget, give me the player who's going to play, and I'll give you the star. Right, and then that enables you to have not only the roster flexibility to make upgrades for yourself, but also make really profitable upgrades for other people. Something super important to keep in mind, keep the late players as close to your flex as possible. But with that, we'll now, seven minutes into this episode, we're going to start talking about the actual players for Atlanta and Jacksonville, the Atlanta side of things. We're going to roll with Kyle Pitts again. Kyle Pitts was an interesting start-sit decision last week as well. We gave him a 6 out of 10. This week, we're feeling a little bit better. He showed us just a little bit of confidence. We're boosting him up. To a 7 out of 10 this week, there's still definitely options who I would be comfortable taking over him. We'll talk about them a little later on in the show. The biggest thing for Kyle Pitts, at least for me, Devin Lloyd is not playing. Devin Lloyd is the best linebacker, best coverage linebacker for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Kyle Pitts, most of the time, gets lined up on by either a safety or or a linebacker. He never gets covered by the corners, and Jacksonville has really good cornerbacks. So, Jacksonville's not covering possibly the best weapon on this Atlanta offense with the guy who they would ideally like to. We saw Kyle Pitts be serviceable last week. We saw Kyle Pitts play incredible the one time that he's gotten to play in London in his career. Maybe he runs it back. Maybe that's not a real stat. It doesn't matter. If you drafted Kyle Pitts, does it hurt? Yeah, it stings. 
Okay, it stings a lot. But you might not have a lot of better options. It's nerve-wracking, but all tight ends are nerve-wracking. Because, as we've said several times on this program, and as I'm going to say several times throughout this episode, tight ends suck. They are just kickers in terms of scoring, in terms of their statistical variance and their averages. They are no different than kickers. The only thing that separates tight ends and kickers in fantasy football is Travis Kelsey. And you can book that. On the Jacksonville side of things, everyone who you're looking at from a skill position is a pretty strong start, even though, you know, guys like Calvin Ridley haven't had spectacular weeks recently. They're still getting target shares. Um, Zay Jones is not playing. That should mean more consolidated targets to the top three or four guys in this passing attack. I'm not shying away from any of the skill position players, but I am more than a little bit concerned about Trevor Lawrence. He, right now for us, he's an 8 out of 10. You didn't draft him to be a guy who we talk about on this show, right? You drafted him to be a guy that you set it and forget it. And I think there are situations where I would start categorically worse quarterbacks, i.e. Russell Wilson, who we'll talk about later, over Trevor Lawrence due to a combination of matchup and just the offense not getting it right. They can produce for fantasy, but they're having a really hard time getting into the end zone. And for you to be a top-level fantasy football quarterback, you either need to run the ball a lot, which he doesn't do, or throw a lot of touchdowns, which he also hasn't been doing. Not saying it's impossible he bounces back. Not saying you totally have to bench him. But if you're feeling a little worried, I don't blame you for feeling a little worried. There's options that exist out there. Moving on to a game with a lot of really terrible options. Cincinnati at Tennessee. Uh, Neither of the quarterbacks in this game are options to go in over Trevor Lawrence. Even though that Tennessee secondary is not exactly intimidating, I haven't seen it out of Joe Burrow yet. And until I do see it, there's there's going to be a lot of guys coming in over him. So Joe Burrow, we've got it a 5 out of 10. It's really a coin flip. That's why he's a 5 out of 10. It's like, I can absolutely see him being really good in this matchup. A lot of people can absolutely see him being really good in this matchup. But the risk of what we have seen for the last three weeks weighs pretty heavily over the start decision on Joe Burrow. And, you know, In a league where one off week will end your season, I have a lot of hesitation firing up Joe Burrow. I also have a lot of hesitation firing up Ryan Tannehill. And that's all I'm going to say about that. You know why. Uh, Tyler Boyd, also on the Cincinnati side of this, is a reasonable, if not favorable, start for the Cincinnati Bengals. We've got Tyler Boyd at a 6.5 out of 10. He's not quite in the seven of like very confident, you know, you can roll with these guys range, but this is not a Tennessee secondary that has shown the ability to cover any wide receiver that they've come up against. They're going to have to deal with Jamar Chase and T Higgins. It's there's no world where Tyler Boyd sees anything resembling accurate and close man coverage. Tyler Boyd is really good at beating zone. He has been for his entire career. He's struggled against man coverage. That's okay. He's, you know, 
He's got his use. But if the man coverage just isn't really there in Tennessee, which we've seen all year, we can see a lot of production going Tyler Boyd's way. He's seen a reasonable target share. Joe Burrow has not challenged the ball downfield. Tyler Boyd operates between the 5 and 15-yard range just in terms of how far he gets from the line of scrimmage. I like him as a play. It's pretty hard to find four dudes you're going to start over him. Moving on to the Tennessee side of things, we've got Chigo Conquo, just because everyone else in Tennessee is either bad or clearly good. I guess it's hard to say Derrick Henry after a two-point game last week is clearly good, but you're not going to sit Derrick Henry. You're not going to sit DeAndre Hopkins, you know, no matter what the Cincinnati defense looks like. It's still Derrick Henry. It's still DeAndre Hopkins. If you lose because Derrick Henry or DeAndre Hopkins don't play well, you're not really going to beat yourself up over it. If you lose because you bench Derrick Henry or because you bench DeAndre Hopkins, you will beat yourself up over it. So don't try to get smarter than everyone else. Don't try to outsmart the experts. Okay, generally the experts are smarter than you. I'm not an expert. I just look at what experts say and I believe them. And then I relay that information in a very, in a more digestible way because the experts also don't talk about Tyler Boyd and Chigo Conquo for the most part. But Chigo Conquo, he's a tight end. And as we know, as I addressed literally in the last game, tight ends do in fact suck. Chigo Conquo is a 5 out of 10. He is an incredibly efficient pass catcher. Whenever he gets the ball in his hands, he seems to do something really good with it. He's not getting a ton of looks in this offense. He hasn't gotten the target share that we were really hoping for to see the jump, but he has still been efficient. He's still running routes. And most importantly, Traylon Burks is not playing for Tennessee. And with no Traylon Burks, the ball has to go somewhere because that's how football works. Uh, and Shigo Konkowo should be the guy who sees that work. Moving on to the next game on the slate, we've got Baltimore at Cleveland. Very, this is another very straightforward game in terms of start-sit decisions. Any Raven that you are borderline on just isn't startable. And it's hard to say because there are a lot of interesting plays on this team that we've recommended on this show for each of the last three weeks. And generally... Those guys are zero out of tens right now. There's no wide receiver outside of Zay Flowers. There's no running back who you can trust to get the workload. I'm sure one of the running backs is going to have a good day. There's just too many of them for us to know. And they're also playing against a really excellent defense in the Cleveland Browns, who I think are averaging, who average allowing 160 yards per game, which is incredibly low, even for the first three weeks of the season. The next lowest is 260-ish yards per game. I think it might be 250. But there is the way that Cleveland stifles teams down on defense is unbelievable. Outside of guys who you are really confident in and know that they are talented, you can't you can't roll anyone else out there. So it's Mark Andrews, it's Lamar Jackson, and it's Zay Flowers. Every other Raven stays on your bench. 
And if one of the running backs falls into the end zone, you don't sweat it because honestly, if you had started him, I bet he wouldn't have fallen into the end zone. That's just how it goes. That's just how it goes in fantasy football, guys. On the Brown side of things, I guess it's Elijah Moore. Like this is a very this is a very controlled offense. The production doesn't go to a lot of guys, right? It's gonna be Jerome Ford getting the running downs work. It's gonna be Deshaun Watson. Bleh, sorry. It's gonna be Deshaun Watson throwing the ball. Had a little little throw up in my mouth thinking about that. Um and it's gonna be Amari Cooper for sure catching it. David Njoku's questionable with this game, who um he he actually he showed up on the injury report for non-football related injuries due to an accident in his home. It sounds like everyone is okay, but he suffered some level of injury there. The exact reports, at least at the time of this recording, um, haven't come out. But he very well might not play. That makes Elijah Moore an 8 or 9 out of 10 start. Not only has the Baltimore secondary crumbled into pieces, it's like Thanos snapped his fingers for the third year in a row, and the Baltimore secondary just you know, turned into dust and was blown away in a very cinematic manner. And so Elijah Moore is going to, you know, he's going to run through the dust. He's going to hopefully catch the ball on passes that are thrown forwards instead of backwards this time. And you're going to feel good putting him in your lineup because the, the options this week are not spectacular. Moving on from that, we've got Denver at Chicago. Guys, I hate that this game exists. Like I, I'm going to, I'm going to get away from the start sit for just two seconds to explain how much I hate that this game of football has to be played. The Broncos just let up 70 points last week, which is the most, as I'm sure you've heard, since 1966. My parents were not alive the last time the Bron- the last time anyone let up 70 points. And the Denver Broncos not only opened this week as favorites in this matchup, but the line has consistently moved in their favor. Not only are these probably the two worst teams in the NFL, but the gap between whichever of these is the second worst team and the third worst team in the NFL is probably about the size of Maryland. It is inexplicable how we have this matchup on the slate this early in the season so it can't even be like based off of injuries or one of these teams isn't tanking yet these teams are going to try to win this game because whatever team loses this game is going to fire their head coach it's going to be spectacularly awful football And what do we know about spectacularly awful football? Running backs fall into the end zone. They do it a lot. Defenses score points. You want to start both the defenses in this game. You want to start any running back in this game except maybe Samaj P. Ryan. They might just actually hate Samaj P. Ryan in Denver, even though they went out in free agency, spent kind of big on him, got him real early on in the process. Other than that, Russell Wilson... Mr. Unlimited, the potential in this game for terrible things 
is equally unlimited. But the potential for great things to happen in this game for Russell Wilson is equally unlimited. If you're feeling dangerous, I'd fire up Russell Wilson. He's actually on my... The way we have it ranked right now, he's a 9 out of 10. Like, there's there's not a lot that this Chicago defense can do against Russell Wilson. He's played bad for the last two years. This is still a guy who we have seen be really excellent. I don't think he's anywhere close to that, but I think the degree of talent between rot, washed Russell Wilson, excuse me, and whatever the fuck Chicago puts on the field, Russ clears by a mile. I think that I think that I would downgrade Russell Wilson to a 7 or 8 out of 10 if Chicago got to play 12 men on defense. Other than that, I feel very confident. There's several quarterback injuries. There's several quarterbacks who I feel really uncomfortable about right now. And I would put Russell Wilson in over all of them. Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, sit down for a second and let Dangerous cook something up this week against Chicago. I really am afraid to come back to this and that be my worst take in the history of the start set episodes. But scared money don't make money. After that rant about how much I hate football, even though I have a football podcast, we've got the Los Angeles Rams and we've got the Indianapolis Colts. This is this might be a surprisingly really good game. I think these teams are better than a lot of people think they are. But the problem is the fantasy options are worse than people think they are. Tyler Higby questionable going into this matchup. Not only is it questionable whether or not he will play, it is also questionable whether or not he will catch a pass. The Indianapolis Colts have an underrated pass rush. They have the fifth highest sack rate in the league. And they, admittedly, they have been doing this against some really bad offensive lines, right? They tormented the Houston Texans offensive line. But to that I say, have you seen the Los Angeles Rams offensive line? Because I think that someone hit him with the old control C, control V between the Rams and the Texans. I'm not talking the Texans starters. I'm talking about the Texans one starter at right guard and the four other backups that are currently playing for them right now. I think that might be what happened. And in response to that, Tyler Higbee, as we have seen Sean McVay do lots and lots throughout his career, whenever his offensive line appears to be outmatched, he keeps Tyler Higbee in to block. And for that reason, Tyler Higbee's at a 4 out of 10. I think that talent-wise, it's light years different between him and a lot of the other you know, kind of questionable tight ends, but the role just hasn't been there the way that you want it to be. So given what this game script could be, a really slow run heavy game where Anthony Richardson scores, you know, four rushing touchdowns, there's not a huge opportunity for Tyler Higby, especially if the Indianapolis defense comes to play and if they can rush the passer, you know, Matt Stafford under pressure is not something you want to see as a Tyler Higby owner. And you could definitely see that very early on in this game and feel really bad about your tight end start. On the Indianapolis Colts side of things, there's there's really only three 
four players, counting the quarterback, that are super relevant here. You've got Michael Pittman Jr. You've got Zach Moss running the ball, who is an enigma in terms of whether or not he's a buy or a sell right now, because we have no idea what happens with Jonathan Taylor. I'm buying. I think it's interesting. I think it's fun. I want to roll the dice. Anyways, you're starting both of those guys. You're starting Anthony Richardson. And then Josh Downs is the last guy who has kind of started making his name a little bit more known on this Indianapolis team. He's drawing an increased target share week after week. That said, he had 12 targets last week from Gardner Minshew. I don't think the trend continues of increased targets. If this becomes a run-heavy script, which Vegas seems to think it is, really high rushing totals happening in this game, really low passing totals happening in this game, there's not a lot of points projected to be scored in this game in terms of the over-under. I don't want to be in a situation where I'm putting... Josh Downs in my lineup. He's a 3 out of 10. He has really good big play ability. So that that's where two of those three points come from of just he might catch something big. But generally, the, the 12 targets is a really awesome thing to see if you're a dynasty manager. And you're like, you know what, a few years down the road, maybe Josh, maybe Josh Downs is kind of kind of a something. Um, but if you're gonna bet your whole season on him, I I don't like your odds. I don't like your chances. We're going to move on now to what might be the most exciting game of the week, the game that I'm at least the most excited to sit down and watch and pay absolutely no attention to any other game. Miami at Buffalo. All the points will be scored. All the defensive touchdowns will be scored. There's no one in this game that you're sitting unless they play tight end because, yeah, you you know why. I don't think I even have to say anything more for this game. These are the two highest scoring offenses in the NFL. They will go blow for blow. Tyree Kill has cooked Buffalo on many an occasion. Josh Allen has lost to Miami, I think, once in the last four years, once or twice. It's going to be a fantastic watch. You're going to have a lot of fun starting your Dolphins and starting your Bills and seeing them score a million touchdowns and break NFL records. I'm calling it. 73 points. Someone's doing it, baby. No, it just turns into like a complete defensive battle like the Chiefs and the Bills last year and it lets everyone down. Surely that won't happen, right? Right? I don't know. Only one way to find out, and that's start them anyways, because you don't have anything better. There's nothing more exciting, I promise. Moving now to, uh, we've only got a few of the noon games left. We've got Minnesota at Carolina. This is another game being played between two teams that haven't notched a win. We've played three weeks of football. The good news is, one of them is going to get a win. The bad news is, one of them is going to be 0-4. The Minnesota offense has come to play every game. There are no sits on the Minnesota side of the ball. Genuinely, everyone, K.J. Osborne, 10 out of 10 starts. There's no situation 
where I'm getting away from them. If I am getting away from them, then they're not going to my bench. They are going to someone else's team. I am trading them. The matchup at Carolina is juicy. Carolina, I don't think, has any linebackers on their roster at all. I think that they have called up Matt Rule. I know that he's coaching at Nebraska right now, that he has connections with the team. I think he might be starting a linebacker for Carolina. Don't quote me on that. I'm going to verify that immediately after the show. But generally, there's no way you're benching a Minnesota Viking. If if a guy doesn't crack your lineup, he cracks someone else's. Go make a move. Go make some money. On the Carolina side of the ball, they're mostly sits. There, I, I don't want to touch the receivers in Carolina. I would be okay with Adam Thielen just because he's been doing it, and I guess we're just going to ride Adam Thielen until the wheels fall off. Uh, Hayden Hurst, though, is the guy who we pegged on this game as the question mark start for the Carolina Panthers. We've got him at a 6.1 out of 10 because there's someone on this list that was a 6 out of 10, and it's like, no, we, we would definitely take Hayden Hurst over that guy. But, like, even though it's we would clearly take Hayden Hurst over him, he definitely isn't worth a 6.5. And a 7? Get the fuck out of here. Hayden Hurst isn't a 7. Um, it was really fun to watch Andy Dalton throw it for Carolina. It, I would like to see that be what Bryce Young becomes for this team and for this offense because everything seems to be running quite a bit smoother. It's not a fantastic look if you've been rostering a lot of Carolina Panthers. Lord help you if you're a Carolina Panthers fan. It's it's a rough look right now, especially with, the, with what the number two pick in the draft's been doing recently. But anyways, Hayden Hurst is a 6.1 out of 10 just because the ball has to go somewhere and Minnesota's defense might be constructed out of toothpicks. Again, I will uh, I will look that one up after the show to verify. Next game in a battle of really weird teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Houston Texans. Vegas doesn't know what to do with this game. I don't know what to do with this game, but I know what to do with running backs when they play the Houston Texans, and you start them. Both of the running backs in Pittsburgh, Jalen Warren and Najee Harris, are seven and a half out of ten, and I feel like that number might even be a little low. I could genuinely see myself bumping them both up to an, a straight-up ten out of ten. Houston's defense is so good at stopping the pass. Even when they have guys in their secondary not playing, it's less about the talent. And don't get me wrong, they do have really good talent in the secondary. But it's more about the scheme that just says, please run the ball. Run the ball on us. We're begging you. And analytically, it makes total sense. If they're running the ball a lot, it's hard to get multiple consecutive productive runs. And so, you know, even if both the Pittsburgh running backs are having really great days, one tackle for loss is all it takes to turn it into a a situation where they have to pass, you know, and if the Pittsburgh Steelers are passing against the Houston Texans pass defense, it's not going to end spectacularly well. This is a game where Pittsburgh is going to want to run the bot, run the ball, they're going to want to control the clock. Is it going to work? I don't know. Neither does Vegas. Neither do you. 
if you're listening, unless you're listening to this after the game, in which case, why the fuck are you listening? But <clears throat> both Pittsburgh running backs should have quite a good bit of opportunity. I would chase opportunity over absolutely anything else in guillotine fantasy football. On the Texan side of things, we've got two complete polar opposites. And given where they started this offseason, it's, it's been a pretty wild ride for the two of them. Dalton Schultz, he's a 0 out of 10. Dalton Schultz is not startable. There is nothing he has shown you in the first three weeks of the season to make you think that you can now magically start him against a really good defense that has always been good against tight ends. Mike Tomlin, for whatever reason, I think he just hates tight ends almost as much as I do because he doesn't let them score points. This has gone back for multiple, multiple years. It's going to continue in this game against the Houston Texans unless Dalton Schultz trips and falls into the end zone, in which case I am not liable. Uh, and the last guy that we want to talk about in this game, it's Tank Dell. In case you've been living under a rock, Tank Dell's really fucking good. 10 out of 10. Start him. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints. This, this game gives me a headache. There are so many people who I want to bench, but I know I just can't. I really wish that this game were happening later in the season. So it had become, so your leagues had become like a 10, a 9 or a 10 team league. And then I could say, you know what, Rashad White in this matchup, I'm I'm trying to fade it. New Orleans has always been good against running backs. They're really great against pass-catching running backs. That's Rashad White's upside. But the leagues are too deep for you to find a spot on a bench for him. There's no, there's very few situations where you've got two guys you can start over Rashad White. He's a 7 out of 10 because there are a few really interesting matchups that we would take over him. Um, the, the Chicago running backs, for example, are both guys who you could have picked up way late in your drafts and they can go in over Rashad White this week. Uh, Mike Evans, if you're a team that has been banking on Mike Evans explosions week in and week out, and it's, (laughs) excuse me, and it's been really successful, um, he hasn't had a good game against New Orleans in a in a good while. He seems to, for whatever reason, the New Orleans Saints have had his number for a long time. And I think at the end of the day, it's become to some level psychological. But again, you can't pinch Mike Evans. It's hard to bench Rashad White. Jameis Winston exists, by the way. We've got him at a 4 out of 10. Because he's basically a coin flip, but he's also just a little tiny bit worse. So, you know, if if you want to live even more dangerously than Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston, he's out there. There's no shot that someone was rostering him going into this week. So if you went with a perhaps Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyler Murray approach to the season, which we, for every reason ever, told you not to do. But some people don't listen to me. Some people listen to this show to do the exact opposite of the things that I say. And those people lose a lot. But if that's what you rolled with, there's no Jimmy G. Famous Jameis. Why not? You know, Deshaun Watson, actually, now that I think about it, he's questionable going into 
his game. He's probably going to play through it. Most quarterbacks play through the questionable tag. But, I mean, Jameis Winston's going to be on your waiver wire. And there's a reason he's there. But, hey, desperate times. You know, I, I get it. I really do. Let's move on now to the Washington Commanders at the Philadelphia Eagles in what projects to be yet another Jalen Hurts revenge game. Every game that the Philadelphia Eagles play against the Washington Commanders is a revenge game because the Washington Commanders stadium almost murdered Jalen Hurts in either his first or second year in the league. And so for that reason, Jalen Hurts is going to score 14 or perhaps 15 million fantasy points this week. On the Washington side of the ball, Logan Thomas is a really, really questionable decision going into this one. We've got him right now at a 7 out of 10, and it feels high. But again, you know, sometimes you have to sit back and say, he's a tight end. We we know things about tight ends, right? I, I don't have to repeat myself. Logan Thomas has everything working against him. He's playing against a good defense. I don't care what the stats say. You know that's a good defense in Philadelphia. You know that N'Kobe Dean is a really good coverage linebacker, and he's going to be on top of Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas is oft injured. He's coming off of a concussion and a hip injury. His quarterback just threw four interceptions in the last game that they played. However, his quarterback also likes to target the tight end position. If Logan Thomas is going to get those targets, he's startable. The, I mean, if we knew for sure he would get those targets, he'd be a 10 out of 10. Even with the concussions and 32 years since birth and Philadelphia Eagles, the we take the three points off just for not knowing if he's going to get those targets. Whether that be a fundamental change in the offense, probably not. Whether that be a Sam Howell is incapable of throwing a football, probably so. Then... There's, there's a good handful of situations where Logan Thomas doesn't get the work, but generally it's not an unsafe start. You would feel better about Logan Thomas than you would about most of the kicker slash tight ends uh, that are on the waiver wire. So he probably got dropped last week since he was out. Maybe, maybe take a peek. He could be worth a plug-and-play start. On the Eagle side of things, there's really only one guy worth talking about. You're starting everyone who you drafted to be a starter and DeAndre Swift has become a very clear starter. Kenneth Gainwell right now is a, just a three out of 10 of like, maybe he sees more work. Maybe he takes work away from DeAndre Swift because now Kenneth Gainwell is back and he's healthy. He's all the way in the fold. He practiced in full all week. There's a chance, but DeAndre Swift has looked so incredibly good and the opportunities that he's been given. It's really hard for me to find a reason for the Eagles coaching staff to move away from what they've gotten out of DeAndre Swift in the last two weeks. So Kenneth Gainwell's not going to score a rushing touchdown. That's only Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is the only person on this team allowed to score a rushing touchdown. He's not a fantastic start. He's a Hail Mary start, but sometimes you have him. Next... We've got the Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers, arguably the other way around because Raiders fans seem to swarm the Chargers games that are played in Los Angeles. We've got two interesting calls. We've got Josh Palmer on the Los Angeles Chargers side. 
He's a 10 out of 10. You picked him up last week. You probably did. He was on the waiver wire in nearly every league. Josh Palmer, after someone in this offense gets injured, we saw this all last year. Josh Palmer, when everyone was healthy, was a side character at best. Perhaps even an extra, right? Just eating in the cafe in the background. But Josh Palmer, when someone gets hurt, he's at least a supporting actor, right? He's not, he's not, you know, the main character. That's Justin Herbert, always will be. But he's he's a part of the cast, right? He he gets his name in the credits that roll at the end of the game. He's a ten out of ten because we've seen him do it so many times. I'm I'm still confident that it's going to continue. Honestly, anyone who you are questioning in this game, it's very simple. If they are a Charger, you start them. Gerald Everett, really good start this week. Josh Kelly has been really bad the last two weeks, but it's Vegas, so you know he he can pretty well he can hit it big pretty easily. Not only because you know I made a Las Vegas pun, but the Raiders suck. And then on the Las Vegas side of the ball, it's rough out there. I, I'm really looking for a, a way that I can bench Jacoby Myers. If you have Jacoby Myers on your team, you probably drafted him really late, and he's been awesome value to you. But Jimmy Garoppolo is going to miss this game with a concussion, turning Jacoby Myers from a you know easy start, don't have to think about it, to more of the 5 out of 10 of just, he might be awesome, he might be nothing, because this offense might just turn back into a pumpkin you know, after... After the clock strikes midnight. As if it wasn't a pumpkin already. Anyways, the Arizona Cardinals are playing against the San Francisco 49ers. That's going to be a game of football. Um, I have no intention of watching said game. You likely have no intention of watching said game. The final score will be San Francisco 35, Arizona 14. Brock Purdy is going to be efficient. He's going to have two passing touchdowns and over 250 yards. That makes him a 9 out of 10 start just because it's hard to see him, you know, royally fucking over your fantasy team against the Arizona Cardinals at home, especially. On the Arizona side of things, there's two guys you're starting. You're going to start James Conner. I don't care how good the run defense is. James Conner just continuously produces, whether it's a good matchup, a bad matchup, a good game script, a bad game script. I don't know how he does it. There might be some level of voodoo going on, but, you know, he's from Pittsburgh, and I don't think that there's a lot of voodoo and or witchcraft happening up there, so maybe he's just really good. I don't know. And then also, Marquise Brown, you know, he's he's been productive. You're going to keep him in your lineup on the Arizona side of things. The only guy that I've even had a question on is Zach Ertz. I want nothing to do with Zach Ertz in this game. We've got him at a 2 out of 10 right now. He has had targets for the first two weeks of the season that might be more descriptive of the defenses they were playing against in the first two weeks of the season and how those defenses choose to cover tight ends there are some really good defenses in the nfl that just don't cover tight ends super well because they don't care if you're passing to tight ends because as we know tight ends suck and so the san francisco 49ers though they cover everyone because every part of their defense is really awesome. Zach Ertz is going to have to have a really big target share in this game for him to be effective. 
I don't know if I want to bet on it. There's a lot of places that Arizona can go with this ball. They're getting Michael Wilson involved. That's super exciting. He's increasing not only his snap percentage, but his route participation rates are also getting way up there. He's been an electric rookie, not just in the preseason, not just in the pre-draft process, but we've seen the big play potential, and we've seen how he can run the short and intermediate routes as well. I'm going to stop talking about Michael Wilson because you're not going to be confident enough starting him, but you are confident enough that he matters enough to take away from guys like Zach Ertz or guys like Rondell Moore. And that's why you're not starting either of those guys, especially against, you know, San Francisco, possibly the best defense in the league. And speaking of possibly the best defense in the league, we've got the New England Patriots at the Dallas Cowboys. Despite a very weird week three for the Dallas Cowboys, they still probably are the best defense in the league. I'm not going to throw out what we've seen them do for the first two weeks just because they choked against an opponent that they probably just looked past. On the New England side of things, I feel weird about it. I feel gross about it. Ezekiel Elliott's a 4 out of 10. He saw more work last week. I love Ramondre Stevenson, and so that made me want to throw up just a little bit. But they're also playing against his former team. I know that Belichick isn't a huge narratives guy. Never has been. Probably never will be. But he does love Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think it's crazy to say that they're at least going to make the effort to get Ezekiel Elliott a touchdown. And there's not a lot of guys who you can say that their team is going to make an actual effort to get them into the end zone. And I think you might be able to say that about Ezekiel Elliott. So he's one of those, I don't want to call him a Hail Mary shot, because even if Zeke does really well, he's probably only going to score like 15 or 18 points. But he's a he's a Hail Joseph shot. No disrespect, Joseph. On the Dallas side of things, Dak's a 4 out of 10. Like that That's kind of the only person worth talking about. You know, you've got CeeDee Lamb, you've got Tony Pollard, they're starting. If you've got Jake Ferguson, you probably don't have a lot of excellent tight end options. You're going to start him too, more than likely. Dak has not looked excellent. The New England defense badgers quarterbacks, especially ones who routinely don't look excellent. I don't want to roll Dak out there. I'll take Mr. Unlimited 10 times out of 10 over Dak Prescott this week. On the last game of the Sunday slate, the Kansas City Chiefs will be facing the New York Giants. Start of the game on the Kansas City side of things is Taylor Swift. Start of the game on the New York Jets side of things is Brees Hall. We've got Brees Hall at a 7 out of 10. As Willie Gay said earlier this week, this is a team that wants to run the ball. They're right. This team has to run the ball. They have to control the clock, keep it away from Patrick Mahomes, because once the Chiefs offense steps onto the field, they will probably light it on fire um, in revenge for Aaron Rodgers, of course, because the turf at MetLife Stadium has claimed one too many lives, and that's that's what's that. Um, and, and on a real side of things, the Chiefs wide receivers are the start-sit uh, decision that we actually ranked in this game. The Chiefs wide receivers are just a 1 out of 10. There's such a mystery. There's so many of them. Rasheed Rice is starting to get way more involved. He was one yard short of a touchdown twice last week. 
So, I mean, shit, if you're going to start a Chiefs wide receiver, it might be Rasheed Rice. I'm definitely trying to roster him in as many, as many deep guillotine leagues as I can, just because if one of those times that he got tackled at the one, if he got into the end zone, there would be a lot more buzz. He's seeing more and more involvement on this Chiefs offense. More of a stash than a play. You never know what you're going to get out of the Chiefs wide receivers. You know exactly what, what you're going to get out of Travis Kelsey. You know exactly what you're going to get out of Patrick Mahomes. And you probably feel good about what you're going to get out of Isaiah Pacheco. We're now going to move on to the last game on the slate. We have the Seattle Seahawks at the New York Giants. Your Seattle Seahawks, you've got your top three guys. You're starting them. You're not worrying about a tight end. You're not worrying about a second running back. I mean, that was a rough look for Jackson Smith and Jigba last week. That could have been a really good opportunity to get him involved, and he had one catch for 10 yards. It's rough. He's not a guy worth dropping, but not a guy who you can start right now. Geno Smith is going to slide in at about a 6 out of 10. This is a New York Giants defense that's probably a little on the underrated side because they just spend so much time on the field because the Giants offense doesn't have the ball ever. Um, it's not likely that the Seattle Seahawks have to score a lot of points in this game. Their defense and their young secondary that is already ascending at a pace that should be concerning for anyone who plays in the NFC is, is probably going to keep this Giants offense sans Saquon Barkley under wraps. And speaking of the Giants offense without Saquon Barkley, every Giant is a 5 out of 10. Genuinely all of them. Like I've I've looked at target shares, I've looked at route participations, I've looked at snap shares, I've looked at you know the carries and where they go to. None of this makes sense. It just doesn't. There is no rhyme or reason to who gets the work, to when they get the work, to where the targets go, to where the carries go. Every giant is a coin flip. It's a Monday night game. So, you know, maybe maybe put the giant in as a coin flip and you can have an exciting an exciting Monday night, you know, get leave yourself the opportunity to trade for DK Metcalf, I guess. That that's really the the reason I would want to start the giant. But other than that, no. No, I don't. Both of the running backs for the Giants last week got four carries. It's brutal. Uh, Saquon Barkley is doubtful to play. He really shouldn't play in this game. And fingers crossed he doesn't. If he does, you play him. But since it's a Monday night game, you benched him. All of your guys played on Sunday. And then you just get, you know, active Saquon Barkley on your bench. It's a rough, it's a rough situation. But Giants are a coin flip. Geno's a 6 out of 10. He's a maybe. I'm still taking Danger Russ over him. And that is going to do it. For the start-sit decisions, do remember to check your bye weeks. I told you at the beginning of the show, you might have thought, oh yeah, I'm going to do that at the end of the show. This is me reminding you. All right, go check your league. Make sure that you don't have an enormous bye week coming up. Now is the best and most cost-efficient time to make those early additions. Get the London out, the London players out of your flex, and most importantly, don't get last. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time on the Chopped Guillotine Podcast.